welcome to Writer on the Road, where we explore the writing and publishing processes in all their glory. To learn more about the podcast, visit us online at www.writerontheroad.com. And remember, in all your writing endeavours, it's the journey that matters. Welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today I have a man with me in the indie publishing world who needs no introduction. Uh, Hello, Adam Croft. Hello. You can do an introduction anyway, I don't mind. I am going to do an amazing introduction, (laughs) but I'm going to cheat everybody. Now, I'm delighted to have Adam with me. I was telling him before the podcast that I've been following him right from the beginning when Mark Dawson um, started to promote him, uh, Joanna Penn, and I've watched this young man go from strength to strength. But what really excites me now is he has moved into the non-fiction realm of um, publishing indie author uh, mindset books, which is really good for the rest of us who are coming along uh, in Adam's footsteps. So I'm going to cheat a little bit here, everybody. Give me a minute, Adam. In Adam's book that he just released this very minute, it's called The Indie Author Checklist from Concept to Launch and Beyond, Indie Author's Mindset Book Number Two. And he's done this wonderful introduction all about himself. And I thought, this is a really good opportunity for me to cheat and read. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Now, Adam has more than 1.5 million books sold. Now, that's pretty impressive. We're talking indie authors here. And on the podcast, you know how many people who turn around and tell us that, you know, you can't make a living out of indie publishing. Adam's here today to tell us that you can. All right. He's... um, he is one of the biggest best-selling indie authors that we know, but at one stage he was top in the world and bumped uh, J.K. Rowling off the, off the um, what is the US Today best-selling author list, so I'm going to get you to tell me about that, Adam. Uh, your 2015 worldwide bestseller, Her Last Tomorrow, sold more than 200,000 copies across platforms and became one of the best-selling books of the year. The interesting thing about that, everyone, we're going to find out from Adam, and hopefully he's found out by now, he's not quite sure where his first 7,000 downloads came from. Uh, <laughs> he has his Night and Culverhouse crime thriller series, sold more than 250,000 copies worldwide, and his Kempston Hardwick mystery books, have been adapted as audio plays starring the biggest names in British TV. Now, we're really excited about that because we love Sherlock Holmes in this house and I believe you've been likened a little bit to Sherlock Holmes uh, with your story writing there. Now, I can go on and on, but I'm actually going to stop and take a breather. Adam, tell us about your success. (laughs) Um, Well, I think you've covered it um, pretty succinctly there, really. It's, um, yeah, I've been doing this for for a long time now um getting on 10 years um and it's interesting that as you say some people say that you can't make a living indie publishing when all of the facts and all the data point to the fact that in fact indie publishers on the whole um sell more books and earn more money than traditionally published authors in fact there's been and the Society of Authors over here have done um research and studies on author earnings for years and just in the last year they had did some research into uh, traditionally published authors. So this is authors with a a traditional publishing contract with one of the big houses Um, and the average earnings of a published author at the moment is £9,000 a year, um, which is about 16,000 Australian dollars, about 12,000 US dollars. 
um, which is remarkably low. So that's that's for a traditionally published author with one of these, you know, long sought after publishing contracts. So um, yeah, the, the the misconception that indie publishing is a fallback option is completely false. I turned down you know, a handful of publishing contracts every year, up to half a dozen a year, I, I say no to just from looking at them, I can see that they're not going to be anywhere near what I can do myself. So um, yeah, for me, there is nowhere else I would, I would rather be. I, I have had traditional publishing contract and um, tried to get out of it as quickly as I possibly could and did manage to do so last year. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, right off the bat, I want to ask you about is taking control of your own career and owning the rights to your intellectual property. Yeah, it's it's vital, especially these days when things move so quickly. Um, handing over the rights to something, even for a couple of years, never mind for life, like some places ask for, um, is just balmy. There's just there's no reason to do it um, because things change so quickly, and it, you know you need to be agile. And that's one of the problems with big publishers at the moment is they're not agile. They're doing things the way they've been doing them for years thinking that that's the way that things you know still work and and it's not things change very very quickly yeah and the more things change the more things stay the same everyone and i've been reading i've been reading madly for the last 24 hours the indie author checklist and even as i've tried to keep up to date with things and as everyone knows i'm in a group uh, run by joanna penn who is another internationally best-selling indie author uh even as i take my eye off the game Adam, your book is current today and even little things like BookBub ads have replaced Amazon ads as, as a preferred option. Those, mm. those books that you're putting out, even though you want them to stay evergreen, they've got some amazing tips in, in there for us even today, haven't they? I guess so, yeah. I mean, that's why, um, for me, I, I write a lot about mindset and that's the kind of what I deal with um, when it comes to indie authors because that is the stuff that stays relevant. Um, you know, it, it, this is the, um, the, the, the bones of the matter, I suppose, and it, it's the bit that people seem to forget or skip over. They're, they're getting too much into the detail of, you know, whether it's Facebook ads you need to be doing or whether it's, you know, this new thing that, you know, there's always new stuff coming in in this industry, as you know. Um, and it's, yes, you need to be able to be agile and respond to those things as and when they happen. But it's not all about um, the detail. I think getting the, the basics in place first is crucial for anyone. Yeah, and that's what your uh, your first book definitely uh, takes us through the mindset that we need to to have a go at indie publishing. And we talk about Steve Pressfield and treating it professionally, and and you're very much about that. This is our jobs. We we have to treat it like a job, or we're not going to be successful. But that word overwhelm. There is so much out there, and the internet is so very very noisy. What your books do so very well is that you cut through the noise and you just lay it out uh, as it is, don't you? I guess so. Yeah, I think um, I think you have to. I think, like as I say, those things don't change. There is a lot out there um, to confuse people, and I I don't think I'd want to be starting out as an indie author now. I think it's it must be much more difficult than it was um, when I started. All those uh, many years ago, I say, sitting in my rocking chair on the veranda. But it's um, yeah, it, it, it's got to be much more difficult now. Um, back then, obviously, there wasn't as many weren't as many authors the uh, the fields were um, much easier to plow they hadn't been plowed as many times over and there was less to worry about you know there was only really kind of Amazon and Apple out there and some defunct um, providers like 
Sony who no longer do eBooks um, and a couple of others that have, that have gone fallen by the wayside. But you know, BookBub wasn't there. Facebook ads didn't exist. Um, you know, Twitter was only a year or two old. Um, you know, we didn't have to worry about um, those those sorts of things. There weren't AMS ads that didn't exist. It, it you know it, it was a completely different um, industry really. But the the basic prerequisites for success and the way of thinking about things and getting your head around, um, you know, the other things you have to do as an indie author, it's not just being a writer, it's being a business person, it's being a, you know, an, an administrator, all these different things, a statistician to a certain extent as well. The, the, these things all need focus in, in the modern world. Yeah, and I think in your book you liken it to 50% writer, 50% business person. So for this mm. podcast, everyone, I'm going to really take advantage of having Adam here and I'm going to assume that we're writing good books. And you kick off at the beginning of the second book, Finding Your Market. Mm. Yeah, it's um, it, it's a difficult thing to to kind of, um, well, as, as you would know from in, in the book, it's difficult to kind of, describe how to do this but um a lot of people i think try to write cross genre or write in markets that perhaps don't strictly exist and you know there's a reason why publishers have so often through time um turned down books because they say they they can't find an audience for them and that does happen and as you say the the book needs to be good it's it's not a case of you know, if you can do some internet marketing, you can you can sell any old book. It it doesn't work like that. Um, you know, I I have struggled and still do struggle to sell a, a a great number of my books. I've had, you know, two, three, four major successes, but I've written twenty odd books, and the others sell fairly modestly. I mean, you know, fair enough. You know, it, it's at levels now where it provides me a decent income still, but it's not. Um, you know, those books alone, without the big successes, wouldn't have. Um, that wouldn't have propelled me to stardom or anything. I probably wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast if it was just those other books. Yeah, and we don't know which book is going to be the one that takes off for us. Now, for Adam, it was her last tomorrow, and you paid off your mortgage and your wife was allowed to quit her job. I think that is really cool. (laughs) It is, yeah. Um, But that, that was my ninth book. And a lot of people have this um, preconception that, you know, there was this overnight success. Uh, this is something that, you know, I've seen quite a lot. But, you know, at that point, I'd been publishing for five years. I'd written nine books. Um, I'd earned very little from it up until that point. So it's not, um, you know, it's not quite as, um, uh, you know, impressive as some of the, the headlines sometimes like to make out. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, it was a book that I think came along at the right time. I didn't know that at the time, um, but it, um, yeah, it, it changed my life completely. Yeah. Did you ever find out where those first 7,000 sales come from or why Not they happened? <laughs> Not a clue. No, <laughs> I think the things, things are almost random back then. I think it's, um, you know, it, it was, we're talking the first few days of 2011 and, um, yeah, it, it, it was much easier to do then and you could um, have an accidental success, which is quite a difficult thing to do nowadays. 
Oh, wouldn't it be cool, everyone, if you woke up the next morning and you discovered 7,000 people had bought your books? And it could be as simple <laughs> as you're mentioned on a podcast somewhere or we talk, we're going to talk a little bit about bloggers later or influencers. Yeah. Someone somewhere takes a liking to your writing and suddenly you, you see a little bit of a spike in your sales. Um, but let's move yeah. back to... Um, I'm trying to be a little bit organised here now. I'm never organised. Okay. Everyone knows that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, writing to market, it has a bit of a bad taste for people, but you, you started to touch on it earlier. If you're writing romance or you're writing thrillers, you want to make damn sure that your reader knows that um, your books are recognisable to them, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not about writing to market. I think there's a subtle difference in in what I'm saying, which is that um, it's writing whilst being aware of whether or not there is a market for what you're writing. Um, you know, it's, it's not to say you know you should go out there and look at what people are, are reading and then go right. I'm gonna I'm gonna write one of those. It, it's you know writing what you want to write um, and publishing what you want to publish, but being aware that um if there isn't a market for what you've written you can't blame the market i think is 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 what i'm trying to say it's um it, it's having an awareness of that i mean you know i've i've done it completely accidentally when i wrote her last tomorrow i didn't even know what the word psychological thriller meant i'd never heard of them i didn't know what it was all i knew is i was writing a, a crime fiction book um, which is a standalone and from the point of view of the the victim rather than you know the actual investigation it was getting inside the mind of the person who was most affected by it um that was that was what struck me and it, it turns out apparently that's a that's a psychological thriller and psychological thrillers are huge and i i didn't know um so you know you can hit things um at the right time accidentally i've as i say i've done that myself it's um but I think, yeah, when you're when you're writing, it's um, a case of being aware of what the market is, not necessarily reverse engineering it and saying, this is popular, let's do this, but being aware of whether what you're going to write is going to be popular or not and setting your expectations accordingly. Yeah, and this is where the marketing side of it comes in, everyone. Uh, her last tomorrow, the blurb is, or the tagline is, could you murder your wife? to save your daughter. Now, even some, someone like me goes, oh, I'm curious. And that's what yeah. you want, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of thought into this and what made that book a success and tried to replicate it um, and, and have done actually a couple of times since. And I've, I've had, um, you know, I Tell Me I'm Wrong, which was out just over a year ago. And that's actually um, within well, then a couple of months completely overtook her last tomorrow and has become my most successful book yet. Um, and that is, again, going down the same lines. Could you murder your wife to save your daughter? That speaks to, to everybody. It speaks to human instinct. Um, it speaks directly to people by asking them a question. You know, could you um, do this? Um, questions psychologically need answering. It speaks directly to the people. Um, it gives you an impossible choice. And that's something that I think compels a lot of people to go, right, I've, I've got to pick, pick up this book. I've got to read this. Um, so, yeah, I've done that um, a, a couple of times since with, with, you know, with other books and, and other blurbs. And, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's not something that necessarily is going to work for everybody. Um, I mean, you know, constructing a blurb in that way is probably not going to work for, say, sci-fi, and it's not going to appeal to sci-fi readers in the same way. But I think psychological thrillers do have um, a bit of a wider audience, and I get a lot of people who 
um, who respond to my ads and read the book and say, you know, I've not read a book in years, but I was compelled by the hook. Um, you know, what if you discovered your husband was a serial killer is the, the tagline of tell me I'm wrong. Again, that's, that speaks to people and it's, it's about a domestic situation. It's, it's, um, you know, everybody, most people have got, you know, a partner or, or a husband and you start thinking, oh, what would I do if that was, if that was the case? Yeah, and straight away we're hooked, everyone. You talk about uh, ideas are vital currency, and it's none more so than indie authors who who I know you put out, I think you've said four to six books a year easily, and we'll talk about that shortly. But that whole ideas thing of, of capturing them, keeping them, throwing them up in the air and seeing which ones come down, that's what we've got to get good at, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not to say that it's just sort of throwing mud at the wall and seeing what sticks, but um, getting, getting material out there and getting books out there is, is key. Um, you know, not at the expense of quality. Um, I mean, for example, my first book took me two and a half years to write a 23,000 word novella. Um, so I started off very slow myself. I think a, a, anyone would agree that is remarkably slow. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm getting the hang of it now. So I've, I've, I've sped up to that, to that point. Um, but I, if I put a book out, um, at any given time, um, you know, I do it on a pre-order for example. So people, um, will have the book land on their e-readers at, at midnight on the day of release. I'll wake up at, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning and I'll already have a couple of emails from readers who've waited up, read the book at midnight when it came out, and by the time I've woken up, have finished it and emailed me and said, when's the next one coming out? And this is at seven or eight o'clock on the morning of release day. So I'll say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I might be able to have another one ready by lunchtime for you. It's, you, you can't write quickly enough for the readers and for the market. So, um, you know, it, it's not a case of you know, how much is enough. There is no such thing as enough. It's not humanly possible. So yeah, write as much as you can, as quickly as you can without compromising quality. It would always be my tip. Yeah. And there's no pressure anyone here. Yeah, just hurry up and get out some yeah. more. Uh, Stop but, listening and get on with it. Yeah. And, it, and it's really cool. <laughs> we talk about um, getting our books out there and our readers, you know, staying up till midnight to get our books. But there mm. are some real tricks to unpack in your new book about this. Uh, and I'm going to start with my favourite. It's mailing lists. Mm. Uh, yeah, mailing lists. Sorry, go on. No, I think you have seven steps in, in the book about when to start teasing your people on your mailing list to uh, say, oh, I might have something. Then you give out mm. a cover, then you give out the pre-order. And there's a pattern to it, isn't there? There is, yeah. And, and I wish I could remember off the top of my head what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, the ma- mailing lists are absolutely key um, for, for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, this is one of the only businesses um, in the world where you – don't have access to your own customers and to your own um, people who are buying your products in, in any other business, you would have um, direct contact with your customers. They would come directly to you. Um, you would be selling things to them directly. You'd know who they are and you could speak to them. Um, the gatekeepers still exist in this industry insofar as um, if you're selling through Amazon or selling through other retailers, they have access to that data and you don't. So mailing lists um, enable you um, to to get over that by you know having that direct access to people. Um, they can you can email them when you have a new book out. You can keep in touch with them, um, and 
you know, at some point these retailers will cease to exist or they, you know, Amazon could, not that I don't think it will, but could decide next week to stop doing eBooks. And, you know, you need to be able to have contingency plans for that. Um, Amazon will not necessarily tell people when you've got a new book out either. You need to be able to do that yourself. Um, my mailing list as well is superb for selling my backlist. I will quite often email them, um, you know, once every couple of weeks with something I've seen in the news that relates to one of my books. Um, you know, the subject matter is similar or perhaps let them know um, a bit of backstory about what influenced the book. And for people who have already read the book, this gives them extra um, flavor and information about, um, about something they've read and enjoyed. It gives them extra depth. And for people who haven't read the book, it's, um, it's a little nudge and a reminder and they can then go and go and buy it. Yeah. Now, I don't even read thrillers, everybody, because I have to hide under the couch. Uh, I'm not <laughs> a very brave person, but I joined um, Adam's uh, VIP club and it's his mailing list and I got sent two books straight away. Uh, so that, that's all, already a great hook for people, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, it's again. This is nothing. It's nothing new. It's um, a case of looking at what um, businesses do in in other sectors, and that, that that advice can apply. It's the equivalent of the guy who stands at the end of the aisle in the supermarket and says, "Would you like to try this new sausage we've got?" and gives you a little bit, and you go, "Yeah, that's very nice." And he goes, "Okay, they're on aisle 14 and and you go and buy some. It's it, it's the same kind of thing. It's giving people a little taster of um, of what the books are about. There are a lot of books out there. Um, readers will quite often stick to to what they know and love. So saying to somebody, "Well, look, here's a couple of um, a couple of short stories, a couple of books of mine. Um, you know, I'd like you to uh, to read them and see what you think. And if you like them, here's where you can get the rest." Yeah, and I think what I like about uh, this checklist. Uh, the most is I know most of what's in it and I learned some new things which I wrote down uh, but the checklist acts as a reminder even for those of us who are a little bit along the journey uh, not only people who are new to indie publishing uh, but it reminds us these are the things we should be doing um, Amazon is changing the rules all the time Facebook is changing the rules all the time we mentioned the world al algorithm when we all crawl under the table <laughs> it, it's tough and it's always tough and that's not going to change is it yeah, that's it's true. And, you know, there's nothing necessarily revolutionary um, in um, the, you know, the indie author mindset or the indie author checklist. And as you say, the indie author mindset for people, um, you know, the words that I always got back were that it was a, a kick up the backside. It was, it was a motivational um, shove into the next gear for people. And, and the checklist, again, it, it, it's a reminder of things. There's, there's a lot to remember in this industry. And I've mentioned in the book a number of times basic things that I've forgotten to do at crucial stages of book launches. Um, it's, it, it, it's an easy go-to guide. Um, and, you know, you probably will pick up new things or at least um, pick up a new way of thinking about things and you angle on, on things which might, um, you know, open up lines of thought that you could go down and and other ways to success so i think that that's 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 kind of what it is it's not a um you know follow this religiously and and you will be successful but it's a you know lots of people ask me how i do things and this is how i do things and you may find something in there that um you can apply to your own career yeah adam talks a little bit everyone about keeping your website up to date and little <laughs> secret everyone adam doesn't so i thought that was really cool and the first thing i did i, I do uh, now <laughs> <laughs> well i went to find your indie um or your new book your second one not the mindset one the checklist 
after I, yeah. I contacted I um, that, no. yeah no it wasn't there and I'm going how am I going to find this silly thing and it wasn't on Amazon Australia first up so I had to go to Amazon International and then I got it so I got it yeah. last night everyone and I read it and I had a bit of a chuckle because um, I'm my website's never up to date but someone of your level uh, there's got to be all those things in place but you started out trial and error too didn't you you've just kept trying things and it's your energy that has got you to here uh, yeah, I guess so. It's, um, you know, I, I, I love doing this job. I wouldn't do anything else. I've always wanted to write. I've always written in my spare time. And my dream was always to earn enough from writing that I didn't need to do anything else. And I could just spend my days writing. And of course, you know, it doesn't, doesn't work out like that. Sometimes I don't write for weeks on end because there's so much other stuff that needs doing. Um, but it's still this this is my job i love it and I, I wouldn't do it any other way any other way so i've always been determined to make a success of it i think and yeah maybe that is that is the mindset and that's the mindset that you need you need to you, you need to want it and yeah, not just quite fancy it but there's a lot of people out there who who, who want it a hell of a lot and you and you need to yeah and i, th- I think i hate Oh, look, I'm going to stick myself out on a limb here. If you if you do the things that you know are the right way of going about indie publishing, you will have some level of success, won't you? Because the structures are in place now where we are on a level playing field with publishers. Yeah, and if you, I mean, you know, the, the, the facts are fairly simple, really, that if you write a book and hawk it out to agents and publishers, you've got even with a decent book, a less than 1% chance of it being published at any point. Um, If you write and independently publish a book, you will sell copies. That's guaranteed. Somebody will buy your book. Um, Statistically speaking, somebody will buy it. So already you are, you know, you have a guarantee of a level of success in that you will be a published author and you would have sold copies. Um, Whether you'll sell enough to make a full-time living of it, largely is, is is down to the author it's down to you it's um you know it's not something that will just happen it's not something that you can make happen by spending an hour or two a week on doing you know a little bit of marketing stuff it will require a lot of applied effort and a lot of time and the growth curve isn't a straight line as i say i was putting in 16 hour days for for five years um you know before i got any real level of success that would allow me to to, to say yes this was this is what i do it's you know the, the the graph kind of stays flat for a long time and then suddenly spikes you it'll feel like you're making no progress and going nowhere for a long time and then uh, at some point um that, that reward will kick in and it will kick in big time and it will pay heavily in lieu yeah and i'm going to move directly into launching a book from from that because i agree with you entirely i launched a book recently uh, it was a book of author success interviews which we're very proud of here at writer on the road um but we launched it and then promptly went to the beach uh and i had a bit of a chuckle about that because people place so much um emphasis on that initial launch and yes it has some impact but the one thing that you really stress in your book and i've been at the feet of joanna penn for so long we're here for the long game aren't we yeah and you know book launches um used to be an important thing because it used to be um the case that if you put out a book through a big publisher you would have to sell lots of copies within the first few weeks otherwise the book would come off the shelves and be pulped and the next big thing would come in but books don't have a shelf life now. They, they're, they're available in perpetuity. So 
know I've got books that are, you know, getting on for 10 years old and they still sell copies every day. So it's, it's and you know, I can do a bit of marketing and, and spike the sales of those all over again. It's, it's not the case that a book needs to sell well at launch and then dies off and, you know, you need to keep putting new ones out because it's the launches that make the money. That's, that's not the way it works. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not as important anymore. I don't do massive launch marketing at all. Um, you know, I'll put quite a bit of money into a new book if I think it's one that has a marketable hook and one that, um, I can make, make a success out of. Um, and other than that, a lot of the, um, marketing budget tends to go into my first books in my series and, and funneling readers through there because that's where, um, you know, that's where you can really get the success is from read through. It's from, you know, if you sell somebody book one in a series and you've got 10 books in that series, that's, you know, another nine books that they can go on to buy afterwards. And that's where your, your marketing dollars um, can and should be focused a lot of the time. Yeah. Now I immediately think of Cheryl and Kenyon, everyone who's got 29 books in one of her series. I think, I think um, people like Bella Andre, they have um, wonderful series and they go on and on and on. Uh, but talking about marketing budgets, and I don't want to go too much into this because it gets complicated. Uh, you sometimes throw a thousand pounds a day at your budget, don't you? At your marketing budget. I have done. Yeah. And only um, if it is making back more than I'm spending. There's no, I don't just, um, you know, I never throw a thousand pounds at something um, experimentally. I'll always start off with 10 or 20 pounds. And if that 10 or 20 pounds brings me back 30 or 40 pounds, then I will increase the spend incrementally. And if it carries on paying back, you know, double what I'm spending, then I'll obviously keep spending more because you know, doubling 10 pounds is lovely. Doubling a thousand pounds is very nice. Thank you. So I want to spend as much as I can in, in that case. Um, but you know, there are, there are times where I spend very, very little on advertising because it's, you know, perhaps for whatever reason, um, I'm not getting a return from that. You know, maybe it's that the ad's been running a, a fair while and starting to get a bit stale and need refreshing. So, you know, it, it depends. It's, um, and that's the beauty of this. You can be very, very flexible and you can you know, chop and change depending on, you know, how things are going. You can see results from day to day. I can already see exactly today. Um, and I'm looking at it right now in front of me. I can see what my ads have, have spent. I can see what sales have come through directly from those. And it's it's eight thirty in the morning here, so I can I can be that agile and you know see the 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 the, the, the results of advertising within the last few hours. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything more exciting, everyone, than waking up in the morning and noticing that you've earned money while you were asleep. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's the beauty of time zones. Yeah. And it's really cool. Now, um, over at the self-publishing formula with Mark Dawson, we've got uh, the Facebook uh, ads for authors. It's also got the indie publishing, how to how to publish a book. They're both really great courses. Uh, the thing that your book does for me, Adam, as I said, it reminds me. You talk very much uh, about the basics of getting your story structure right. And then you talk about writing in Scrivener and publishing through Vellum. Vellum's always been a... Um, I guess a formatting, um, what do you call it? Formatting place of choice, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's a brilliant piece of software. It really is. Um, the fact that you can just pull your book into it and it will create beautiful looking eBooks and paperbacks and, and even large print editions now. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it. The learning curve for Vellum is very, very small in terms of 
just being able to get a book out there. It's literally a couple of clicks of a button. Um, but it's also very, very powerful and some fantastic hidden features under the bonnet. I mean, if, if you know, anybody listening to this has, has used Vellum for a little while and, and feels comfortable with it, I would very much recommend going onto their website and looking at their, their help pages and looking at some of the more advanced things you can do with Vellum because there are some pretty incredible things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something I'd recommend. It's on the face of it. It's not a, a cheap piece of software. I think it's getting on for $200, I think, or $150, but you can, you can do so much with it. And if you're paying somebody to format your book, which you, you should be doing rather than just uploading a word document, um, then you can be paying not far off of that for, for one or two books anyway. So if you're thinking about doing this in a long term and, and writing at least a couple of books, then yeah, it's, it's just a, a very, very sensible investment. Yeah, and a couple of hundred dollars, everyone, if you're considering um, paying off your house and retiring happily ever after. I'm always constantly surprised that people quibble about those small amounts of money because anyone else in any other career invests in their career, don't they? Yeah, it's um, you know it's the same as, as anything. If you went into any other business, you would have to rent premises, you'd have to get a, a professionally done sign for the front, you'd have to have leaflets and flyers printed and you know, all of these different things and pay for insurances. And, you know, you, you, would, you would be spending tens of thousands of dollars before you'd even open the doors. Um, and, you know, even if you're not in business, if you're in any other, you know, if you wanted to be a lawyer, you'd have to pay through the nose to go to law school. And, you know, whatever we do in life, if we want some modicum of success or something, we have to invest beforehand. This is no different from anything else. It's just that for some reason people seem to have this um, impression that it should, um, you, know, you should just be able to kind of write a book, design your own cover, upload a Word document, and bang, you've got a bestseller. Um, that's a very romantic idea, but it, it doesn't work like that. Um, so you will have to invest, um, and you know you will have to do things properly. And I sh probably should say at this point when I talk about spending money on publishing, it's the services that are required so things like editors proofreaders cover designers things to make the product more professional what you should never do is pay a company who says give us some money and we'll publish your book the actual publishing of the book is completely free everywhere um so you know self-publishing companies um avoid would be what i would say so yeah don't don't pay anybody to publish your book for you you don't need to yeah, and surround yourself with a team of professionals so we're no different in our businesses as our, than traditional publishers are. We have our uh, cover artists, we have our editors, we have our designers, all those kinds of things. And I think that's something that we all accept as part of the business now. What, what yeah. impresses me with you, and as I said, I've watched your journey, uh, you're always levelling up and you're always aiming higher. You're not going to rest on your laurels, are you? You have big plans for 2019 as well. Yeah, well, you, you have to. It's not a business where you can. Um, and, and, you, and you're right in what you said just before then. I think that um, you know, self-publishing or independent publishing, as I, I prefer to call it, is not an alternative to um, traditional publishing in the way that people think it is. It's not a different way of doing things. It is pretty much the same way of doing things, except you are the author and you run the publishing company. So you have to do the same things that the publishing company does. It's not about cutting corners or, you know, having someone else do it for you or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, and, and you've got to keep leveling up. It's the industry keeps leveling up. It's getting bigger and better and, and new things come along and you've, you've got to stay ahead of the curve. It's, um, it's not an easy business to be in. And I think a lot of people um, 
are surprised by the sheer amount of stuff that's involved with independent publishing. It's, it, as I say, it's like having two jobs. It's like running a publishing company and being an author in your spare time sometimes. Yeah, but it's it's really, really exciting. And we've got new stuff coming in. I'm only touching on the surface of um, what's in the book here and what I've learned over the years and what Adam has clearly, um, I guess, smashed to smithereens as, as you <laughs> as you've gone through it uh but we're talking audio audio is huge you you talk about find away voices in your book uh it's certainly a way of the future isn't it it is um and you know i've always i i i, I joke all the time that you know ever since i can remember there have been people in the industry who have touted um you know every, every december every blog every podcast every resource does these kind of um you know what to expect in the publishing industry in you know whatever the next year is going to be in a couple of weeks time and you always see audiobooks touted as the next big thing next year is the year of the audiobook audio is going to be huge and it's it's just not happened um but i think they might just be right for 2019 actually um I, i'm seeing yeah big big increases in in audio sales um fortunately um even though i didn't um necessarily believe them when they said that audio was going to be the, the big thing in, in the next year it, it was always going to be increasing and it was always going to be a sensible investment to get audio done so um yeah glad i have and uh, it's it, it is definitely something that that should be considered it is something that has opened up a lot recently i think a lot of the stagnation early on was the fact that there was only really audible and, and itunes out there and neither of them had effective marketing channels or you know you couldn't set your own pricing it was all a little bit bizarre but yeah now now people like findaway voices have come on now that um, Kobo are doing audiobooks as well, and they're they're opening that up massively. So later this year, they're releasing, opening up a new um, version of their dashboard, which will allow you to upload audiobooks directly through Kobo Writing Life. So, you know, audio is getting much more accessible for authors. It's getting much more accessible for readers or listeners, I guess we should call them. And it's it's definitely um, something worth heavy consideration, I would say. Yeah, one of the coolest things that I found, and very much in the last 24 hours, uh, none of us have much time to sit still. We'd love to, you know, curl up in on the couch with a um, good book, but the reality is we don't have time. Now, I knew 24 hours ago that I was going to be talking to you tonight, uh, so I downloaded your book, and everywhere I've gone in the last 24 hours, whether I'm on my computer whether i'm on my ipad pro whether i'm on my phone i just duck into kindle books and whisper sync brings me to where i'm up to that's got to be yeah. one of the most invaluable tools ever had i gotten in the car and had the audio i could have listened to where i was up to couldn't i it, it's incredible it's and this and this is one of the things that really winds me up about amazon is that they've got these incredible um things like whisper sync which is just an amazing bit of technology and they don't talk about it and most authors don't even know what it is never mind <laughs> never mind um customers um but yeah as you say if you own the kindle version of a book you can get the whisper sync audio add-on for, for very little normally a, a, a couple of pounds compared to you know paying 20 odd pounds for the full audio um and yeah it, it synchronizes so you you read on your kindle or on your kindle app on your phone um, you can listen to the audio book and it synchronizes wherever you are. So if you go to bed at night and you you read a, a chapter or you finish halfway through a chapter, turn your Kindle off, get in the car in the morning, pop the audio book on and it will start playing from exactly where you stopped reading the night before. Um, and when you get out of the car, 
you go back to your Kindle and it will have skipped on to the point where you stop listening to the audiobook. It's it's a phenomenal bit of technology and I guess it, it it's kind of opening books up and meaning that they're not necessarily this kind of um, two-dimensional experience that we used to have in terms of just reading text off a page, but you know, also being able to experience the same book in a number of different ways. And there are some very exciting ways in which that could open up in the future, I guess. Yeah, and it opens it up for us as writers as well. And that's why we need to keep our rights. We need to maintain yeah. um, control of our careers um, because we don't know where it's going in the future, do we? No, and, and you know, another one of those horrible businessy words, but it's products. I can write a novel and... You know, you might think that's one product out there to sell, but you've got the ebook, you've got the paperback, you've got the audiobook, um, you've got, you know, you have a large print edition. You can, it is, there are various different ways of pulling more products out of one book. And if you've got nonfiction, it, it, it's even bigger than that. So, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not just as simple as saying one book is, is one product to sell. It's, you know, and people will buy the, the ebook and the paperback or, They'll buy the audio add-on and, and, and various other things. So yeah, there's there's a, you know there's much more to it than um, than just a book being a product. Yeah, and 2019, 2020 are going to open up uh, more doors. We haven't even got time to touch on AI today and where that's going to take us. Um, but <laughs> if you're if you're a fan of um, Joanna Pin over at the Creative Pin podcast, Adam, you've got your own podcast and you had our own beautiful. Well, I can't. I don't know if she's our own anymore because she's gone back to Pommyland. Uh, Rachel Amplett <laughs> was a guest host on your podcast while your um, co-host went fishing. Yes, yes, Partners in Crime, I present. It's a crime fiction podcast with um, friend and, and fellow author Robert Dawes. Um, yeah, Rachel's a, a great friend of mine as well. Um, you know, we, we, we speak a lot and you know, we write in, in similar genres. And yeah, she's um, been a, a guest host a, a couple of times as well when, when, when Bob's been away. So um, yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's very good fun. It's something that I, I really enjoy doing. Yeah, it's another way of, of opening up my, my career, I guess. It's not something that, that, that makes money, but it's something that's that's very enjoyable, something I, I enjoy doing. It's it's another angle on, on what I do too. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy, I guess, in, entertaining crime readers in that in that way. Um, and you know, little things like like helping other authors with with things like this, with the books, with um, you know, I've got a, a Facebook group as well called the Indie Author Mindset, which is I think it's got about seven or eight hundred authors in there now, all kind of helping each other and. Um, you know, giving feedback and advice and marketing tips and, you know, that's all, you know, it's all, all part of it for me. It's, um, it's, it's different, I guess, different strings to my bow, different things I enjoy doing and things that I'm, I'm very lucky to be able to do. Yeah, and I think it's immersing ourselves in that lifestyle. Now, I joined that Facebook group again today, everyone, the Indie Author Mindset, the official Facebook group of Adam Croft, uh, which I think is really cool. Uh, we've got the mindset. It's funny that I need an official one. <laughs> that idea that people might set up an unofficial Adam Croft group. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. And if you want to know how Facebook groups and pages and all that kind of thing are changing and algorithms and all that, please read the book because I can't. It makes my head spin even going into it mm -hmm. here. Uh, but what I what I want to call our podcast today is, and it's I'm finishing up here, everyone, because um, Adam's been so generous with his time, and we're only touching on the surface. I know, um, finding forty hours in a day. Mm. Yeah, that's um, it's a tricky one. Um, it requires a specific type of time machine. Um, 
<laughs> it's yeah you you, you can't basically um uh, you, you've got to focus on on the important things um and i guess the thing that i'm always quite keen to do is um know what i'm good at and know what other people are better at and let them do that so you know i when it comes to um a new book cover for example i'll just send over the title and the synopsis to my cover designer and and let him do what he's best at um you know the admin and business side of things um quite often my my wife will take care of so it's a case of you know letting people do what they're good at um so that you can focus on on what you're best at which if you're a writer is going to be writing books yeah, I actually feel a bit sorry for Adam's wife, everybody. She gave up her day job uh, to go into indie publishing admin. I mean, what kind of nightmare would that She gets be? paid. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I even let her out of the office. Yeah, and you yes. get to go to um, Bali. Actually, over there, you guys don't go to Bali, do you? You go to Bermuda or the Bahamas or somewhere. Um, well, yeah, well, some people have, have, have been to Bali. <laughs> I, I, uh, Yeah, I'm... Uh, yeah, I mean to be honest with you, it's time for holidays. Is 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 the thing? So yeah, I've not been, not been away in a in a, a little while, but uh, yeah, probably should do this year. Yeah, cool. If you haven't read any of Adam's books, everybody, you're missing out on a real treat. And somewhere in there, you'll find references to Sherlock Holmes. I'm just not quite sure where, and I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. Adam, where can we find you? And where can we find the indie author checklist from concept to launch and beyond? Author into mindset, book number two. Phew. Um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, um, Google me, I guess. So adamcroft.net is my uh, fiction website, indieauthormindset.com for my nonfiction stuff. But as you rightly pointed out, not updated in a little while. Um, for authors, the Indie Author Mindset Facebook group is always a, a good place to start. Um, and the other books are available from Amazon, Kobo, iBooks, Google, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. Now, I... I downloaded this thing last night and it's beyond lunchtime the next day. When do I get my next book? <laughs> um, I, I could have something for you by the morning. I'll, um, if, if, if I can get on with it. Uh, Dragon Dictation, we love you. All right, Adam, <laughs> thank you for being a wonderful, wonderful sport. There's so much more uh, that we could talk about, but I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more from you. Uh, thanks uh, for joining us. Thank you for asking me. It's a pleasure. And that's it from another episode of Writer on the Road. Thank you.